Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is October the 29th, 2021, um, and I thank you for being here. Um, I think the world has gone nuts, and it keeps getting crazier. So um, here we are trying to pick up the pieces and, and sort through all of the lunacy that's been going on across this country, especially because of the Biden administration, what they're doing with border security, immigration, or perhaps not doing with border security. Uh, And it's not about what they're doing for America. It's what they're doing to America. I want to begin by making a point that needs to be made. The mainstream media has this tendency to identify those of us who want secure borders and effective immigration law enforcement Uh, we tend to be identified as being anti-immigrant, or at the very least, folks that want anarchy, open borders, amnesty for all, an immigration system that no longer vets anybody coming here. Very often, those advocates for anarchy are referred to as being pro-immigrant. Now, stop and think about the enormity of what those words mean to the average person. Words matter. Words matter. And just as I have been on a, uh, a, a one-man campaign to end the lunacy of using the term political correctness to describe what is in reality Orwellian newspeak, this notion that you're somehow anti-immigrant if you think that a country should have sovereign borders that controls the merchandise and people who enter into the country, if you think that's anti-immigrant, you better think again. Our immigration laws have absolutely nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. And one of the tricks that has been used by the open borders crowd, the immigration anarchists, to really identify them as we should, they will talk about how 100 years ago there were Chinese exclusion laws. 100 years ago, and they'll they'll start telling you what happened 100 years ago, 80 years ago, and they were right. 100 years ago, Our laws did make decisions based on race. Was it? Of course not. What in the world does it have to do with absolutely nothing? This is kind of like the cancel culture. Uh, John Wayne, great American actor. I think he was an American hero. Everyone identified him as an American hero. I didn't think he was a hero. He played heroes. He was an actor to watch. If you want to talk about actors who are American heroes, look at Lee Marvin and Jimmy Stewart and Audie Audie Murphy got the Medal of Honor. Um, uh, James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, was a bomber pilot. Lee Marvin was a commando who was wounded terribly in action. These guys were American heroes. The fact that they were actors had nothing to do with the fact that they were heroes. We really have a problem in America, I believe, discerning fantasy reality. I remember a long time ago, my, my late mother used to love listening to and then watching Operas. I remember she used to love the light. There was a story in the newspapers back when she was alive how some woman happened to stumble upon an actor or an actress that in that program on television, and the person was playing the part of an unfaithful spouse, and this woman comes running her in the street or a store, God knows where, and started beating her because she was cheating on her husband on the TV show because somehow this woman didn't realize that she was simply an actress playing a role or an actor playing a role. We have people today that don't seem to understand what actors really are. And I find it remarkable that actors can make statements about subject matter they have less than zero information or experience with, and somehow people will listen to them. Uh, it's remarkable. We need to get back to the fundamental principle of knowing who the true experts are. What is the point to spouting or parroting or opposing a position taken by somebody who has no expertise to be talking about you? 
one of the things that I am very careful about is I do not get issues where I don't have real expertise. And if I do mention something, I'm, I'm very skeptical, for example, about climate change. I make it clear, look, I'm not a scientist, a climatologist. I don't even put on television. But I'm concerned when people don't ask appropriate questions. So we really need to be doing all the French philosopher Voltaire said that you judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask, and people have been intimidated into not asking questions. And you have parents like Virginia standing up and questioning the school board over the curriculum they're teaching their own children. They're being told that they're domestic terrorists, and boy, oh boy, I just saw a lead and get to see the entire piece. But apparently, I think Virginia. Sheriffs are being asked to send SWAT teams to school board meetings to parents to get up What happened to the First Amendment? I'm not talking about being violent. Let's be very clear. Wiggle room. But if you want a hearing with the Attorney General trying to justify the National Security Division, the FBI, to parents who might become boisterous at a school board hearing or a school board meeting. Wow. Wow. You now have the government trying to get between parents and their children. They've been dividing America up into tiny little pieces over the past couple of decades. It's been an accelerating process. They're doing it with sex. You know, it's no longer men and women, boys and girls. Now we have 48 different sexes, apparently. And if you dare not suggest that, that, that there's more than two sexes and you're a horrible person and a sexist and a bigot, and it's all about divide and conquer. I remember looking something up online about societal uh, uh, reference points. If you want to destroy a society... You eliminate societal reference points. Make it impossible or very uncomfortable for fellow Americans to speak with one another. Divide and conquer. Divide blacks against whites. Divide Latinos against whomever. So instead of seeing ourselves as Americans and wave that American flag that symbolizes this unified country that we live in, the idea is take down the flag and take down the sense of unity and the sense of common ground and commonality so that Americans will have at each other. Our enemies can just sit back and watch a bloodbath that they don't even have to do anything to see. We are at war with ourselves, and we need to stop it. We can disagree. I certainly believe in disagreement. Um, I was going to teach debate on the college level. I debated in high school. I debated in in college. Uh, Debate is intellectual capitalism. We have different perspectives, and the job of the people that participate in a debate is to sell that perspective, if you will, to the audience. But it needs to be based on facts. Facts. And when we keep hearing this nonsense, follow the science, what science? I wrote an article about the science Nazis for popular, I'm sorry, for uh, uh, Front Page Magazine several months ago about how Einstein was attacked by Nobel physicists in, in Germany, where, whereupon he left. You know, it wasn't a good idea to be a Jew in Germany at that time, but it went beyond that. His life was threatened. There were riots on campuses, and Einstein was accused of practicing Jewish science, whatever that is. And they actually attacked him for his theories on relativity, which modern physicists, using modern equipment and satellites and, and um, atom smashers and so forth, have been able to verify. But back then, the German people were told, Albert Einstein is a Jew, he practices Jewish science, and therefore, he's a danger. And today we're told, follow the science. Follow the science. Follow Fauci's science, which bounces from one place to the other, sometimes within the span of days. We need no masks, one mask, two masks, 15 masks. Uh, My gosh, you name it, follow the science. The idea is to shut down debate, to shut down questions, and we have to ask questions. And we have to understand the way that language influences how we understand the issue. I did another article a while back, and this was very interesting. 
they had test subjects witness a video of a car crash, and depending on how the car crash was described, determined how violent the people thought the accident was. Um, I, I don't have the article in front of me, but if they use the term crash, then they thought that windows were broke and more damage was inflicted when, in fact, no windows were broken. When they called it, you know, the, the two cars collided versus crashed, that kind of a subtle change actually impacted how people thought they saw the accident on video. Truly remarkable. Words have impact the way that those two colliding cars had impact. So when you hear people say, oh, pro-immigrant, anti-immigrant, you're anti-immigrant if you think that we should have a secure border. You're anti-immigrant think that we should have criminals and terrorists and drug dealers and child molesters. Wow. This is dangerous. And we need to have conversations with our neighbors about this use of language. And what's really remarkable is that in America today, it seems that Americans can do no wrong and American citizens can do no right. And when aliens commit fraud to get U.S. citizenship, a tactic used by Nazi war criminals, fugitives from justice, and terrorists, well, Mr. Mayorkas, and I, I warned everybody about him back in December when Biden said he was going to select him to be the Secretary of Land Security, I said that this guy would be a train wreck, and he is. He ordered the people that citizenship and immigration services during the Obama administration to get to, yes, approve everything. So now this character, Mayorkas, Mr. Get-to-Yes is the head of Homeland Security, or as I call it, Homeland Surrender. And last week I talked about how uh, he had said that they weren't going to punish uh, people or denaturalize people and make them leave if they lied on their applications to citizenship. And that's disturbing beyond words. Immigration fraud is a serious crime. And if you commit immigration fraud in conjunction with terrorism, you could be looking at 25 years in jail. This isn't a game. This isn't jaywalking. This is national security. And if you look at the way that citizenship has become a tool of terrorists, realize that if you read through the indictments of terrorists who've been caught in the United States, frequently there is evidence provided that the terrorist was told, as soon as you can, get a U.S. passport once you get U.S. citizenship, and then change your name so that you can travel under two identities with two different passports because they almost always keep their original passport, whether it's Pakistani, Lebanese, Syrian, British, French, it doesn't matter. Get a second passport, change your name when you're naturalized. You travel from the United States to a country, let's say Germany. Then you put your U.S. passport away and you travel the rest of the way to wherever you're going under your other passport. You return to Germany again under your original passport. You put it away and you come home under your American passport. And that inspector at that port of entry in the United States is likely to not be able to know that you went to places other than Germany. Because if you look at the passport, all you see is a German entry stamp and a German departure stamp. There's nothing there about trips to the Middle East, Europe, Africa, wherever. In fact, bin Laden was found to have in his library, when our special forces troops went in to take him out, in his library were two documents of special significance. One was a copy of the 9-11 Commission report. The other was an application for U.S. citizenship. That's how important the citizenship is. And so Mayorkas has now said, that they will no longer seek to uncover immigration fraud committed when people naturalize. If they're war criminals, they'll do something about it, I guess, like the Nazis. Other than that, we don't care. Mind over matter. We don't mind. It doesn't matter. And I said, why in the world would he do this? Why in the world would he do this? I started digging around, and in part of my article, I, I had actually overlooked something that was very important. Because the article that I wrote included examples of people who got citizenship for nefarious purposes. And, and lo and behold, it turned out that in April of this year, an employee of DHS was arrested for naturalization fraud. The guy was from Nigeria, an African, came to the United States in the year 2000, the year before 9-11, became a got political asylum and U.S. citizenship during Mayorkas' tenure as the head of Homeland Security, or rather the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services, where the employees were told, approve, 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 approve. 
HS uh, use two different identities to uh, get asylum. The first application was denied. The second application was approved. And then he becomes a citizen, and then he gets a job with Homeland Security. And then uh, August, I'm sorry, in the 19, uh, 2019, I'm going to guess this is a special project started by Donald Trump. New York it was... The uh, office was um, was no longer in charge, and this individual who was working for Homeland Security was arrested and charged with immigration fraud. They're looking to denaturalize him, and he's being prosecuted. Now, it's an allegation at this point, but think of what this means. He had worked, this guy had worked for DHS for seven years. Why in the world would somebody who defrauded the government work for the agency they defrauded? Does that make any sense to anybody? That's the first question that I'd like to have an answer to. Why in the world would you go to work for, for, for an organization that you defrauded, a government agency? Think, think about the dangers to that. Think about how dangerous it is for you as the person who committed fraud. You're walking into the lion's den. Well, why did he do it? And he's a lawyer. So he would have made a good paycheck, let's say, working for an immigration law firm rather than becoming an adjudications officer. So why in the world did he do it? Well, perhaps because he knew he could make extra money if he became crooked and took money from people. Perhaps because there were terrorists or criminals that he wanted to help gain entry into the United States. Is it possible that somebody at Homeland Security knew that he had committed fraud and said, don't worry, we'll cover for you. All these are possibilities that need to be investigated. But lo and behold, Mayorkas is now shutting down all of these efforts to identify people who lie when they become United States citizens. The 9-11 Commission, to which I provided testimony, made it abundantly clear that immigration fraud was the key method of entry and vetting for the terrorists. If that's the case, why is Mayorkas now saying we're not going to look for fraud in applications to United States citizenship? It makes no sense. This has nothing to do with immigrant versus uh, anything else. This isn't about saying we're being compassionate. I mean, his argument is, well, if people become citizens, they shouldn't have to worry that they may lose their citizenship. The only way you lose citizenship in the United States is if you are found guilty of treason. Or we can show that you have uh, lied on your application for citizenship. If people didn't lie on their application for citizenship, we will never strip citizenship from them. So the only people that have to worry are fraud. Why would the head of Homeland Security take the unprecedented step of saying we're not going to pursue these cases? These are serious crimes. And it's not as though it's a huge burden. We're only talking about a couple dozen cases at most that get pursued every year for naturalization fraud. This isn't a, a usual thing. It happens a few dozen cases per year on average. Is Mayorkas covering his own tracks, covering up the fact that his orders to get CS led to this serious violation of the integrity of the immigration system with this alleged uh, fraud I don't know. But this is a case that should be on the front page of every newspaper, but it won't be. Because if you dare discuss it, you're going to be accused of being anti-immigrant. It's unbelievable. But do you think that anybody at IRS is going to say, you know, when people file their tax returns, they might be concerned that the IRS disagrees with their paperwork, so we're not going to audit tax returns. Fill out your tax return, send us the money you owe us if you agree you owe us money, or get the refund that you'd like to get, but we're not going to review your return. Yes, when hell freezes over, maybe they'll do that, but I doubt it then. So why is it that Americans are going to be under extreme scrutiny because Biden is now talking about hiring thousands of new IRS agents and auditors to squeeze every last nickel out of every American taxpayer that Homeland Security no longer cares that people lie to become United States citizens. It's stunning. This is a serious threat to national security. 
This is a serious threat to the integrity of the entire immigration system. I believe I just... Hmm. Bear with me, folks. I hope you're able to still hear me. Um... No, I think you can hear me. I've been having problems with my headset. Um, So I, I think you understand the problem that we have. And the problem that we're experiencing is you have a Biden administration that refuses to secure the borders, refuses to enforce the immigration laws. And within the last couple of weeks, by the way, Mr. Mayorkas has come up with a new one. Immigration agents will no longer pursue investigations of employers of illegal aliens. Unless an employer mistreats employees who are here illegally, they have nothing to fear. So let's go back to the Immigration Reform Act, Immigration Reform and Control Act of 1986 that was passed under the Reagan administration. It was known as IRCA, I-R-C-A, Immigration Reform and Control Act. It provided for a massive amnesty. Initially, it was supposed to be a million aliens. Eventually, nearly four million aliens were given lawful status. But what was not discussed by the media or anybody else is those 4 million, nearly 4 million, were able to bring in spouses and children. So God knows, perhaps the Reagan amnesty, when you look at all the numbers, uh, enabled maybe 20 million people to get green cards in the United States. Huge number. But today we're looking at more than probably double that. And again, if we do an amnesty and Biden's talking about it again, they could bring in all their kids, and I've talked about it on the show before, we could be looking at 100 million immigrants coming to the United States, which would overwhelm everything. It would overwhelm infrastructure, it would overwhelm national security and public safety, it would overwhelm the economy. This is insane. That's how you destroy a country. And that's not an anti-immigrant position. It's just a matter of recognizing that our country, just like every other country, and just like families and companies, have limitations. Throw a party for the entire world and have them come to America and we'll pick up the check. But what was interesting is that the way that Reagan's amnesty worked was that it also, for the first time, included a provision that would punish employers who knowingly hired illegal aliens. In fact, I was among the team of agents in New York who, when the law was changed in 1986, went out to educate employers. And I spoke to hundreds of employers explaining to them how they had to fill out the I-9 and what their obligations were, what their liabilities were. And we did it by wanting to be a partner so that people would understand that what we're doing is in America's best interest. I I wish that Donald Trump had talked about that perhaps during his inauguration to make the point that it's important that we hire only those people who are lawfully entitled to work in the United States, irrespective of race, religion, ethnicity, whether they have green cards or they're U.S. citizens or they simply have employment authorization. Under our immigration laws, employment authorization, unless it's limited to a particular company or a particular profession, a specific work visa, for example, other than that, people who are lawfully entitled to work in the United States can take any job they want. There's nothing discriminatory about it, and Donald Trump needed to hammer away at it. There are many what-ifs and would-haves, could-haves, and should-haves, but the point is that the immigration laws are eminently fair, but they were initially enforced by the Labor Department to protect jobs and wages of Americans. The Democrats used to be the most committed to enforcing those laws because the old Democrat Party, the party that I signed on with back when I was in college, too many years and too many decades ago, was a pro-labor party. That's who I am. My dad was a construction worker, my biggest hero next to my mom. But now we are flooding America with a limitless supply of foreign workers, and not just the illegals, but the high-tech visas, and it goes on forever. There was an interesting article in Breitbart back in March from Bloomberg saying that there's over a million people a year who come here to do the the, the white-collar jobs rather than having Americans do them. So if people like Mark Levin over at Fox News want to know why America is shifting to the left, it's not just Americans who don't want to take responsibility for themselves or Americans who hate America. It's Americans who've been losing their jobs to foreign workers, including high-tech jobs. They can no longer support themselves. They're losing their homes to foreclosure, which is why mortgages are failing. People are becoming homeless. 
and the price of real estate is going through the stratosphere because we have a limitless supply of people coming into the country and need a place to sleep. So wages are in decline. Price of housing goes through the roof. You wind up with homelessness. And the globalists will tell you, oh, these homeless people are drug addicts and crazy. Well, there might be an addiction problem within that population. There may be mental issues within that population. But nobody wants to talk about the ugly secrets that many of the people who are homeless have college educations, had successful careers in high-tech industries, and got shafted by their employers. So they lost their jobs. They lost their ability to support themselves. They lost their ability to pay the mortgage. And it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. And so to now say, that immigration agents will no longer go after the employers the way that they were supposed to under IRCA. And by the way, it was interesting that Reagan never hired agents to enforce the law. So you have to ask yourself, was this just a game to convince people, hey, we're taking care of this now? Because I was thrilled that my colleagues and I were excited that finally we could go after people who knowingly hired illegal aliens. We had factories call up. I, I had a case where a sweatshop owner called up and demanded that we raid this factory. Now, it's funny because sometimes that happens when competitors will try to put a, a competing company out of business or some guy comes home and finds out that his wife has been cheating with him and he finds out where this guy is working and they call up and they say, I want you to go and raid that factory. There's illegal because they're hoping that this guy who's been messing with this guy's wife gets deported. Right? He wants to get even. He wants him out of the picture. That happens. But I'll never forget a phone call that I got one afternoon, and my partner picked up the extension phone and unscrewed the mouthpiece. This is a couple decades ago when we had, you know, that kind of office phone set up so he could listen in and take notes. And this guy called up, and he said, you have to go to the XYZ company. That's not the name. That was just giving you a a bogus name. But it was a, a, a manufacturing company in Long Island City, a clothing manufacturer. And I said, well, how many people are working illegally? And he said, well, probably three-quarters of the factory. But these six individuals, they need to be arrested. And he gives me their names, and he gives me their dates of birth, and he gives me their Social Security number. That's really a bizarre phone call. I said, well, how do you know all this? He said, they work for me. But this was before it was a crime for knowingly hiring illegal aliens. I said, what do you mean they work for you? So why don't you just fire them? And he said, well, I would have legal problems because they're trying to unionize and I'm not going to tolerate union shop in my factory, and I want these bums deported, and I'm going to give you all the information you need so you can go arrest them. So I took the information. My partner and I went over to the U.S. Attorney's Office. We swore out a search warrant, and we showed up one day, and we had the entire factory surrounded with other agents, and we had vehicles with us, and I walked in, and this guy, who had been a Korean War vet, this was in the early 1980s, maybe 1982, he was a burly guy, glad you're here and he's grabbing the people who work for him, literally manhandling them and throwing them at us. These were guys in like five foot three, five foot four from Central America. He said, I want you to get rid of them. I said, well, I'm going to talk to the rest of you people. He said, no, you won't. Don't take one step further or I'll knock you on your rear end. And I looked at him. I said, you can try, but I promise you I've got a set of handcuffs with your name on them. And he called up his lawyer. His lawyer said, you know what? You can't stop these guys from doing it. If they have a search warrant, they have to be able to search. And we arrested three quarters of the factory. Now, it was pathetic. The conditions on the factory floor, this was truly a sweatshop. This was during the summer. It was about 95 degrees outside, and it had to be 130 degrees inside this factory with the steam presses going. The windows were open about three inches with big silk-encrusted fans blowing hot air around. And when I walked into this guy's office, and initially he didn't want to open up the office because I wanted his record, he had three air conditioners going. It was as cold as a refrigerator with wood paneling and carpeting. And back then, the big deal was the projection TV. So he had a palatial office in the middle of a disaster where these other people worked shoulder to shoulder in inhumane conditions. Oh, and by the way, the fire escape was blocked. So when we finally... Well, given that law that said if you find an employer who's doing what this thug did, you can now go after him. You can find him. You can prosecute him. We did that to a diner. 
Uh, Diner owner lost his diner because he was committing tax fraud all over the place. And the amazing thing, he himself had been a Greek immigrant, hiring a bunch of illegal aliens, including an individual who I believe had that terrorist. That's why it's important to do employer investigations, not only to free up the job and back up the border patrol and the inspectors at the airport, uh, because if people get past the process, we don't want them working. The magnet is the job for most illegal aliens, not all. Some are here because they're criminals, fugitives, and so forth. But it's believed the majority of illegal aliens come to work. If you can turn off the job magnet, then you can decrease the incentives for aliens to take the risk and, pay, and spend all that money and seek to enter the United States. So clearly, when you look at what Biden is doing on the border by allowing everyone in, he wants to make sure that that magnet, the prospect of employment, pulls as many people as possible. Think about what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's insane. But I have found people who are fugitives from murder working in factories. They've got to go somewhere. They've got to support themselves. You'd be amazed at how many bad guys do that. I made the point when I testified before Congress that the day before a terror attack, you're likely to find a terrorist either on a college campus or on the job where he or she isn't working, hiding in plain sight. Well, one of the guys at a restaurant on Staten Island was from Egypt, and when I went to get his passport and other documents in his apartment, they found bags filled to the top with coupons for products he had no use for, whether it's sanitary napkins and dog food and baby formula. This is a single guy in his, in his mid-20s or maybe 30 uh, with, with coupons for all that. And they said, what are the coupons for? He says, oh, the kids in the neighborhood play with them. I said, how do you play with coupons? And he wouldn't answer my question. We deported him, and a couple of months later, we found out that Arafat, Yasser Arafat of the PLO, had sent his people to the United States to engage in coupon fraud to fund terrorism. Back then, he was getting over $100 million a year, if I remember correctly because of the proceeds of coupon fraud. So apparently this guy who worked in the kitchen of a Greek diner in Staten Island was engaging in coupon fraud. And he was from Egypt. I wonder where he was on 9-11. Uh, understand the problem that we have. The entire immigration system has been nuked, if you will, by the Biden administration. And what's the consequence? Jobs for Americans going away, wages for Americans through the floorboards. We have millions of people in the country with no way of knowing who they are, why they're here, what their backgrounds are, who they're affiliated with. And it only took 19 terrorists on 9-11 to kill more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet in Pearl Harbor on the 7th, 1941. And the key embedding tactic is immigration fraud. And for the terrorists, what was the home run? Getting a U.S. passport. And what is Mayorkas doing? Ending investigations, inquiries that are designed to denaturalize aliens who lie when they become United States citizens. If these people don't get the MVP awards from ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the drug cartels, Russia, China, and Iran, then I don't know. They should complain because they certainly earned the MVP award. And it continues every day. Right now, as you're listening to this program, people are running the border. People are filing applications for citizenship, confident that they won't be caught, that they will face no consequences. Now, there's something else to consider about fraud. When you don't deter crime, more people become emboldened to commit crime. Let me give you an example. I'm sure you've been on the highway, zipping down the road, over the speed limit, and you could care less, the sun is shining, the road is clear, and you're happy as a clam. And then you see a police car pull somebody over, and all of a sudden, yourself included, everyone's on that brake. Oh, my God, the cops are out. I don't want to get a speeding ticket. And everyone slows down. Why? Because they saw that cop pull that guy over. They know that they themselves could have been pulled over. There, but for the grace of God, go on. So everybody eases off on the gas, and we drive like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts for the next 10 miles, and then we don't see any cops around, and we kind of lean on the gas again. I know a lot of people that do that. Okay, why? Because when you enforce the law, you deter law violations. That's part of the reason we do law enforcement. 
One of the reasons, of course, is to punish people who violate the law, but the other element is to deter people from violating the law, to convincing them that if they violate the law, there's a good chance they're going to be caught, and that if they're caught, uh, that day is not going to be a good day. So when you have the head of Homeland Surrender, New York, is saying, we're not going to go after people who submit fraud on their application for citizenship. What this is going to lead to is an increase in the number of applications for citizenship that should not be filed. And among them may well be criminals, terrorists, and fugitives, cartel members. Because basically, Mayorkas just sounded the all clear. You got nothing to worry about. We're not looking for you. And this isn't the sting operation. Take him at his word. He doesn't care about enforcing those laws. He doesn't care one iota. And if you had any doubt about his seriousness about standing up um, for his oath of office and doing what he's supposed to do, they've also issued instructions to the ICE agents that you will no longer arrest illegal aliens working illegally. Wow. So do we really still have a country? Do we really still have borders? You know, when I was a new immigration agent, I rotated through all the squads. If I walked into a factory and found somebody working who had just entered the country legally, but entered under, a, uh, under, let's say, a student visa or entered under a tourist visa, they weren't supposed to work. Believe it or not, folks, and there's no institutional memory of this anymore, I promise you, we would arrest them. We would put handcuffs on them. Because working illegally was a violation of their status and it subjects them to deportation. I remember one day going into a gas station. We had a complaint that there was a guy working at a gas station who come to the United States on a tourist visa. Picture that. So we go into a gas station, and there's a guy on a crawler, you know, that little board that has little wheels on it so they can slide under a car. And I see a guy under a car, and his boots are sticking out, he's wearing the coveralls of a mechanic, and I kind of kicked him on the boots gently. You know, I wasn't trying to break his leg. I just wanted to get him out from under the car. And he rolls out from under the car, and here is standing there, and other people are there. And, and he rolls out, and he says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm with immigration. And this guy uh, was encrusted in grease, his fingernails, his face. He was, it looked like he had jumped into a, a vat of grease. And his name was on the coveralls. Picture this. And he comes out from under the car. He's got a wrench in one hand. And I said, hi, I'm immigration. And I showed him my badge. And he stood up, and he looked at me, and he said, sir, I don't work here. I couldn't stop laughing. My partner couldn't stop laughing. Even his employer couldn't stop laughing. It was one of those funny scenes. Sir, I don't work here. I said, could you tell me what you were doing under the car? Were you looking perhaps for a contact lens, which had everybody laughing? And I turned to the owner of the gas station. I said, does this guy work for you? He said, yes, he does. But this was, again, before it was a penalty. There was a penalty for knowingly hiring. So I asked the employer to kindly give me the guy's time cards and all the other documentation so I could prove to an immigration judge that he was working because he had entered the United States not more than a month earlier as a tourist. And now he's working at a gas station as a mechanic. So we handcuffed him, brought him to the detention center, and the next day he found himself in front of an immigration judge. By the end of the week, he was back home. It didn't make headlines. There were no riots. There were no screams. America had the right to protect the American worker from foreign competition. Countries are supposed to protect their citizens. He actually apologized. He said, I'm sorry I lied to you, and I shouldn't have done what I did. I said, too bad. You're sorry? Maybe. I'm sure you like working there, but <laughs> it's against the law. You're going home. And nobody screamed. There were no riots. There were no demonstrations. It was another day in New York. And now you have the head of Homeland Security, the agency that is charged with enforcing the immigration laws, saying we're not going to enforce the laws, period. Now, I want you to understand that the president is at the head of the executive branch, and the people who do law enforcement, they're a part of the executive branch. Why do they call them the executive branch? I'm sure some of you know why. Because the term executive comes from execute. What are we executing? The laws. 
So they are duty-bound to enforce the laws. It's not an option. When I took the oath of office, it was not like a menu when you go into a restaurant. Sir, I'd like to have salad, but I don't don't think that soup is okay. What kind of salads do you have? We do that all the time in the restaurants, right? Do do, do you have chocolate pudding or rice pudding or or cheesecake for dessert? You, you, You pick one. When I took the oath to enforce the laws of the country and defend the Constitution, they didn't say defend the parts of the Constitution you like, enforce the laws that you agree with. You either signed on for the whole nine yards or you had no business taking that oath and agreeing that you would enforce the laws. If you have an administration come in that can simply say, we're going to go against the laws that we are supposed to enforce, you're no longer living in a democratic republic. Just stop and think of the enormity of this situation. Laws were passed to accomplish certain goals for the country of the United States, the government of the United States, the people of the United States. Congress passed immigration laws, and if you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, it lays out who we're trying to keep out. Aliens of dangerous communicable diseases. I used to talk about it and, 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 and hearken back to the days of Ellis Island and the quarantine station, never thinking that we'd get hit by a pandemic the way we are right now. So the idea about aliens and dangerous communicable diseases is certainly uh, super relevant to us today, isn't it? Then it's aliens who suffer severe mental illness. Again, Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human rights violators and war criminals and fugitives from justice. Aliens who are human traffickers and drug smugglers. Aliens who profit from prostitution. Aliens who would become a public charge. Aliens who, if they worked, would displace American workers and drive down wages. There's nothing unreasonable about those laws. They're eminently reasonable. So how, then, does Joe Biden come into office and sign a bunch of executive orders that says, okay, we don't have immigration laws anymore, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we take down the borders? Who gave him that authority? We're going to make sure that we don't punish anybody who hires an illegal alien ever again. We're not going to go after anybody who lies on an application for United States citizenship, even though the law says this is a felony that, if it involves terrorism, could involve decades behind bars. And even if it doesn't involve terrorism, you're still looking, uh, I don't have the law in front of me, it's either a five- or ten-year fundamental felony. I mean, this is not jaywalking. This isn't a fine. They like to talk about immigration laws. Oh, they're administrative laws. They're civil laws. No. There are criminal statutes attached to immigration law enforcement. The civil side of it is administrative. You remedy the civilians, the, the, the civil side of the law by stripping an alien of the lawful status they may have acquired, like denaturalizing an alien who committed fraud, and then seeking their deportation or their removal. But there's also criminal laws that say if you lie on the application, you can go to jail for X number of years. So it's not purely civil law or administrative law. There's two sets of laws that we deal with in immigration. Administrative laws that seek to strip the alien of any immigration status they may have and seek their removal, and criminally to prosecute them the way you would an alien who commits any other crime, like let's say tax fraud or or drug law violations or on the state level commits a murder or a robbery or an assault. So there's two sets of laws, and the Biden administration is basically saying, we're not going to bother. What happened to the oath of office? Defend the Constitution, which, by the way, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution guarantees each state a Republican form of government and the promise that each state will be protected against invasion or domestic violence. Do you not think that the entry of millions of aliens who are here illegally does not constitute an invasion that is sanctioned, aided, abetted, encouraged, induced by the federal government? that harbors and now shields them from detection. By the way, the language I'm using can be found in Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324, specifically the statutes that deal with alien smuggling and harboring. The United States government has now become the biggest human trafficking organization in the history of the United States, maybe the world. Moving millions of people into our country who have no right to be here and now telling them 
no matter what you do, you can stay. Because what Mallorca said earlier was that even if an immigration agent has a warrant for the removal of that alien, the judge said you need to leave if you arrest that alien and he or she does not have a serious criminal history, uh, there's a good chance you're going to be talking to people from internal investigations because you are not to do that. Wow. Effectively, our immigration laws have been dissolved. They don't exist. And now we add to this that the administration is seeking to give hundreds of thousands of dollars to people who ostensibly were separated from their families because of the zero tolerance uh, provisions of the Trump program to secure the border. They're not talking about what happened with Biden and how many children have been separated. They're not talking about how many children didn't come here with their families in the first place but came here with either human traffickers or with aliens that they were set up with because aliens who were here illegally were using children instead of a visa. Because if you came with a child, you couldn't be removed. And I remember one particular case that I wrote about for frontpagemag.com that some thug was found wading across the Rio Grande with a six-month-old or a five-month-old baby in his arms. That's really the ideal age for a child to come into the United States if you're committing fraud, because how do you interview a five-month-old baby? Is this man your father? Does the kid even know what you're saying in any language? Of course not. If you're dealing with a 12-year-old, the child might say, I don't know who this guy is. If you're dealing with a five-month-old, so this guy was found waiting across the Rio Grande with a baby, an infant in his arms. It turned out he had an extensive criminal history, violent thug with a baby in his arms, and he eventually admitted that the child wasn't his. So Trump said, we're going to do DNA testing, and the court said, no, you won't. So now Uncle, Uncle Sam, Uncle Joe is about to or try to give hundreds of thousands of dollars to people who claim they were separated from their families. And how are we going to prove that they didn't? Well, remember Mayorkas, get to yes. Let's spend lots of money. Why? Well, it's yet another way of smearing Trump, okay? And it's a way of distracting people from the crisis on the border. Oh, yeah, Trump did all that. That's right. This isn't something Biden started. It was Trump's fault. And now we're paying for Trump's fault. That's what I think the strategy is. It's a distraction. It's a deflection. I don't know if you watched the president's press secretary when she was asked by Ducey from Fox News, why are you moving aliens around in the middle of the night? She said, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, 2.30 in the morning. Oh, that's not the middle of the night. That's early morning. So she tried to turn that discussion of middle of the night into the focus not into who was being moved or why they were being moved. So she insisted on discussing what the time of day meant, what the significance. That's not middle of the night. That's very early. Maybe you don't take flights at that hour. And she went on at length about how that hour of the morning is at middle of the night. That wasn't the significant question. The significant question is why the hell are these people being moved around the United States and not even being tested for COVID? Well, that's an interesting question, but you keep saying it was the middle of the night and it wasn't. You see the way they do things. We have a catastrophe on the border, so now we're going to give money to aliens who came in under Trump, allegedly, God knows, if they claim that they were separated from their families. Maybe when they, they were coming with people who weren't family members. It's a con game. It's a con game on a scale that I've never seen before, that I didn't think was possible. It undermines national security. It undermines public safety. It undermines public health. It undermines jobs and wages for Americans. It undermines the integrity of our government. It undermines the credibility of our government. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the name of the game is, I believe, take down America. And China and Russia and Iran, they just sit back and they're laughing up their sleeves. And they're celebrating and popping corks and saying, how stupid could the American people be? How stupid could the American people be? The question that should be asked of every politician on all levels of government, very simple question. How are your proposals 
beneficial to the average American? How are your proposals beneficial to the average resident of the city of New York? New York City, for example, is suspending any civil servant who has not been vaccinated. So we're talking about fire department, police, sanitation. There is a mountain of garbage in front of every house now in New York City, and the mountain is growing. Why? Because nearly 30% of all sanitation workers have not been vaccinated, and they've been told that if by 5 o'clock tonight, Friday night, here in New York, if you have not taken at least your first shot, you're, sent, you're going to be sent home without pay. And there are people who are now quitting. They're saying, look, I'm willing to take a test. I'm willing to do all these other things, but I don't want to take a vaccine. Some of them have had COVID. They have natural immunity. Some of them may have conferred with their doctors who told them, look, your health conditions uh, make it risky for you to take the vaccine. And that these people aren't saying, we're just going to come to work. They're willing to be tested as frequently as they want to test them, which is fair, which is fair. And think of how the goalposts kept getting moved. We need to flatten the curve. Well, we flatten the curve. Well, it's not good enough. We need to wear masks. What's the purpose for the masks? I don't know. The masks don't have to be surgical masks. They don't have to be N95. So how effective is a piece of gauze stretched across your face? Fauci first said masks would not be necessary. Then he said they would be. Then he said one mask is okay. Then he said it's two masks. What's really being masked is the truth. The American people have a real problem believing anything coming out of government. I remember when I took a political science course back at Brooklyn College, one of the points made in this class on comparative governments was that when the citizens of a country find that their government lacks political legitimacy, almost invariably the result is revolution and uprising. So add all the pieces together. Parents are being threatened with investigation by the FBI's domestic terrorists if they complain about the curriculum being taught to their very own children. Employees are being fired for not taking the vaccine, even if their doctors have told them that it might kill them because some people have reacted badly to the vaccine. And they're simply saying, I'm willing to be tested as frequently as you want. I'm just fearful of the vaccine. We've never had a situation like this before where the government is making demands on its own citizens without recourse. We need to sit down with our neighbors and have serious conversations about the direction this country is going. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer, for the record, by the way. But I do know that before you take vaccines, it's probably not a bad idea to talk to your doctor. Imagine if your doctor said to you, hey, you know, Bob, I don't think this is a good idea for you. You have health issues. Uh, we've seen st- So you're supposed to risk your life to keep your job? When have we ever seen this sort of a situation play out in these United States of America? You have Biden demanding that everyone get vaccinated, but meanwhile they're permitting millions of illegal aliens sent to the United States who have not been vaccinated, and now it's believed that a significant number of them are actually infected with the COVID virus. So when they ask the stress expert, oh, well, we're looking to see symptoms. Is that how the testing for COVID goes? We're looking for symptoms? We're looking to see if their eyes are popping out of their heads? We're looking for symptoms. Glib liar comes to mind every time I listen to her speak. It's frustrating. It's obnoxious. Try to get a straight answer. Why are these people being moved around the country? Well, it's not the middle of the night. It's early morning. That wasn't really the significant question, was it? So instead of getting a straight answer, it's a con job. It's one con job after another. And where are the Republicans? Some of them are trying. But I have to tell you, both parties are, you know, beholden to the globalists. It was the Republicans who started this nonsense with the Reagan amnesty and the visa waiver program and on and on and on. There was a time when America found that it had a shortage of employees in a particular industry. The Labor Department would encourage high school kids or college kids to join apprenticeship programs or take up a course of study. 
to that American to take those jobs. Employers in the old days looked at American kids as the future of our country and the future of their companies because they knew that ultimately a significant percentage of American kids were working for them. Not anymore. They're looking to India and other third world countries for cheap labor and destroying the American dream for Americans. And then the conservatives don't get it, and they want to know why Americans are leaving to the left. You have conservative programs on saying, look at AOC. Now, let me be clear. I don't like AOC one bit, but even a broken clock is right uh, every 12 hours. And she was right for calling out this effort to give Amazon tax-free status in New York City. And if you listen to the folks on TV, oh, my God, look at all the jobs that they're throwing away. Well, here's my position. If you believe that a company that provides jobs should not pay taxes, I can understand that argument. I would probably agree with you. Seriously. But if you believe that, then that also includes the car dealership who has 23 employees, mechanics, salesmen, and the finance guy, and so forth. This should also apply to the local restaurant that has 15 dishwashers and waiters. It should also apply to the drugstore that, that has six employees working there because they're providing jobs. But if you're simply saying that Amazon is the, the you know the eight-ton gorilla in the room, and Amazon won't pay taxes, then what that does is it lowers the cost for Amazon so they can crush more of their competition even faster. That is an anathema to the capitalist system. We need a level playing field. If the issue is to not tax companies that create jobs, then it should apply to everybody or nobody. But that's not what we're hearing today. Because the people on the right are greedy to a point that I didn't think was possible, and the people on the left, self-hating Americans. It's the only way I can describe it. And where do Americans fit in? Well, to read 1984, very interesting. Because in 1984, the people who were very poor were to be entertained with booze, drugs, and pornography. Keep them out of the way. And the middle class was seen as the biggest threat. The middle class needed the tightest surveillance. Because the middle class educated enough to know that they're being So the middle class is problematic. What is happening to America's middle class, ladies and gentlemen? America's middle class, I fear, is going the way of the dodo bird. It's on the verge of extinction. How in the world did that happen? You tell me. It happened, at least in the beginning, by the importation of an army of foreign workers to drive down the... It's almost pointless to go to college if we're going to keep on importing an army of high-tech workers from the third world. Americans have got to make their demands known peacefully, but vociferously and clearly to our elected representatives. We have to have those conversations with our neighbors. We have to be clear about the language, and we have to be clear about Lincoln's vision of America as a country of the people, by the people, for the people. That certainly isn't the case today. The only people that this government appears to be concerned about are the people that make the campaign contribution. That's called corruption. We've got a lot of work to do. Please get involved. I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. I thank you for listening. If you like my program, please share the link to the website for my podcast with as many of your friends as possible. Check out my articles at Front Page Magazine and with usinc.org. Have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long, everyone.